0: Hey, I'm Kim Short, and it's time to get your podcast on. Welcome to What Led Her Here? Exploring the defining experiences of women's lives. My guest today is the courageous and dedicated Michelle Anhang. Michelle and I met through a mutual friends women's group and I was struck by her bravery as she told her story of becoming a widow at 34. This traumatic event redirected her life and ultimately compelled her to follow her calling by becoming a life coach. Since working to heal her own wounds, Michelle's mission now is supporting families living with mental health challenges and ending the stigma around mental illness and suicide. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, I'm so glad to be here. So when you spoke at our friend's um, Women's Storytelling Circle, you read a quote that stuck with me. As you know, because...
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so glad you brought it up. Yes. Because I was thinking about it as well.
0: I'm so glad. And I remember that night you actually giving me the piece of paper that you had read from because I was... Uh, so in love with this quote, and I've thought about it, uh, you know, occasionally over the last year and a half or so since you spoke at that event, but I just took it out yesterday and uh, was happy to read it again. So would you mind reading that quote for us? I would
1: love to. Uh, It's a quote from Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pincola Estes, and it is, within every woman there is a wild and natural creature, a powerful force filled with good instincts, passionate creativity, and ageless knowing. Her name is Wild Woman, but she is an endangered species. Though the gifts of wildish nature come to us at birth, society's attempts to civilize us into rigid roles has plundered this treasure and muffled deep, life-giving messages of our own souls.
0: That's beautiful mm-hmm. and meaningful. What? How does it resonate with you? Oh, (laughs) on so (laughs) many levels, (laughs) right?
1: Exactly.
0: Um, Well,
1: let's see, how far back do we go? Um, I grew up in a very constrictive household, in a very religious community, so talking about um, society and rigid roles, and I learned to where or that I had to put on a lot of masks and be a certain way in order to be accepted in the different areas of my life and that just continued into adulthood and uh, until I realized I didn't want to live that way anymore so now my journey is about connecting with my own inner wild woman.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. I love that. (laughs) So tell me who is your inner wild
1: woman? Mm, My inner wild woman, well, she's still growing. But what I've learned so far about her is that she lives life on her own terms. She lives unapologetically, and she lives completely at choice. Um, I you know, she's, she's the opposite of everything I grew up with. I grew up with the notion of what good girls do and don't do and what it takes to be a good girl and then a good woman and a good wife and a good mother and so many different hats and so many different masks and, you know, being a good hostess and, you know, good, good, good everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, that that takes a toll on us. And, um You know, I I had this pivotal moment um, in in a course I was taking where at the end of the weekend, uh, the teacher said to everybody in the room, don't just tolerate life. And I burst into tears because I realized I was tolerating everything. I was in the job that I thought I should be in because it was the right thing to do, even though it wasn't my passion. Uh, At the time, I was in a relationship that checked off a lot of things on my list, but was not, you know, making me very happy. Um, And I was was just living for everyone else and not myself.
0: Mm -hmm. When he told you to not just tolerate life, so what happened next? Oh, (laughs) after all the crying... (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, that started me on my journey of realizing that I, I deserved more and I could have it and I could want for myself and I could take care of me and I'm actually a better person. Uh, the biggest, um, thing for me to let go of in not tolerating life was, um, As you mentioned, I was widowed at 34 and my husband had died by suicide. He suffered from mental illness for many years and um, because of the culture that we grew up in and that we lived in, uh, there was a lot of stigma around mental health and suicide. And so the family made a decision to say that he had died in an accident and i was holding on to this secret even my kids who were seven and four at the time didn't know the truth about their own dad's death um so yeah i was holding on to this lie and um you know the shame around all of it which wasn't mine to carry and i knew that at some point i was going to
0: have to let that go so how did you manage to carry the weight of that secret it's amazing what the mind can do. <laughs>
1: um, and it's also very unhealthy. I really, you know, I had a hard time living with myself knowing that I was lying to everybody. And, you know, it, it prevented me from getting close to people. You know, I, I hated when people would ask me, you know, they, they knew I was single and they'd ask me, "Well, oh, how long have you been divorced? And I'd say, well, I'm not, I'm widowed. And then immediately, I'd be thinking, "Please don't ask me how it happened," because I didn't want to lie. But I felt I had no choice but to lie—that this was the right thing to do to protect everybody. And um, so I shut down a big part of myself because I—that was the only way that I could reconcile, you know, speaking this lie and trying to be okay with myself, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And not letting too many people in, to like into my life and into the in my inner self, because I also wasn't okay with myself. So how could anybody else be? So it was a huge burden to carry and it affected me emotionally. It affected me physically. Um, you know, it, it affected my kids without them even knowing because here I am, you know, always worrying. You know, that's the thing about secrets that, you know, they end up, becoming something so big in our lives we're doing everything that we can all the time to step around the secret and to avoid it and to avoid my kids finding out and you know hate like you know I, I raised my kids um, to be very open and honest and vulnerable and then here I was holding this huge thing from them that they didn't know about you know their dad so it really was very difficult for me
0: Yeah, it becomes, I would imagine, a very intricate story that you have to keep expanding upon, you know, over time.
1: Yeah, um, I tried to stay away from details, which, of course, then people just took as, okay, she doesn't want to go there and just interpreted me as being somebody who's not very approachable. Um, And, you know, just telling it over and over in my own head, you know, I wanted to believe that
0: that was the truth. So it messed me up quite a bit. I think it's incredible how sometimes the, what can seem like the smallest piece of advice or nugget of wisdom that can come from someone can make such an incredible difference in our lives. And that's actually what uh, led me to create this podcast was the fact that sometimes in life we hear something that can seem so little, but it has such an impact on us that it's life changing. Yeah, I love that.
1: And, and it's funny how we can hear the same messages over and over and over. And then suddenly, one day we receive it. And that's what happened to me with when that teacher said, don't just tolerate life. Um, I I just, I broke down. And I went home and realized, like, I've been living my life, um, tolerating everything. And you know, it was I was forty-five at this point. It was like, okay, I've done this for half of my life and I'm in so much pain right now. And I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. So I was determined to do whatever it took so that I could live out the rest of my life in at least in peace and at choice and and doing what I wanted. Um so that resulted in um Ending the relationship that I was in at the time that I wasn't happy with. Um, Enrolling full time into um, the coaching program, uh, because I realized this was something I was so passionate about. Um, Quitting my job and um, and, uh, enrolling in in the the leadership program that I, I took as well. And through this process just connecting like as i started you know shedding the masks um and letting people see me and and see who i really was um that attracted people to me that were supposed to be in my life and that were supporting me on my journey and that were on their own similar journeys so i you know it was just building this large tribe of of people who really were supporting me through all of it. And that helped me then get to the place of being able to tell my kids the truth about their dad.
0: I think that's wonderful. And I do definitely feel that it can be hard to live authentically. It can be hard to be vulnerable. But when we do, when we take that leap of faith and put our real selves out there, Um, Like you said, we find our tribe. We find the people who accept us just the way we are. And the people who don't like what they see aren't meant to be. No. They aren't meant to be our people. So, and that's something that I teach my daughters. And that's, I think, one of the most important lessons that I try to drive home to them so, Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's the thing that we, we spend so much of our
1: lives um, doing things around, you know, what will other people think of me? And, you know, what's the right thing to do? And, you know, trying to impress people who will pick up and leave us at any minute anyways, because they don't even know the real us. And, you You know, and we're not letting them see the real us. Whereas when we do, then the people who really want to be with us are with us because they love us for who we are. And that's so important. And it's so different. And, you know, that was one of the biggest changes for me in all of this was, you know, recognizing the depth of the relationships that I could have when I am myself.
0: Mm -hmm. That must have been a really good feeling.
1: Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, and just the, the support of those people who were with me before, during, and after telling my kids the truth about their dad, um, which, you know, they obviously wish they had known the truth, but they also, you know, I was sharing with them my journey all the way through and, So they understood, they understood how I grew up, they understood the culture, they understood stigma as well. And they knew that I was really doing what I thought was the right thing at the time. Um, You know, and, you know, I had convinced myself at one point that, you know, well, the kids are too young to understand the truth. So I don't want to burden them with that. Um, And, you know, but at the same time, then it was carrying this lie all that time. So they, they were very forgiving. They, they understood and it opened up, you know, it opened up our relationship and deepened it completely too. And, you know, deepened the level of trust. You know, when I could say like, I wish I had done it differently and I didn't. And here's, uh, you know, I want you to know the truth now. And um, here it is.
0: Yeah, I think it's important that, you know, because I think sometimes our children can see us as these perfect people and not that we intend them to see us that way. But I think sometimes that's just what happens. We're sort of on this pedestal, which is uh, is odd to me but I think that when our children see us as these vulnerable sort of flawed people, because aren't we all, I mean, we're all just human beings trying to do our best. Um, but I think there's such a value in them seeing us in that light and realizing that, yeah, we're kind of messed up and we've done these, you know, we've done things that we wish we hadn't, or we've made these mistakes like everyone. Um, but here we are, uh, you know, trying to do better and trying to, um, you know, sort of live our, as our best selves, as our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think there's a value in our children seeing that journey absolutely, and knowing that they, it's okay for them to be the same, to, yes. for them to be flawed and yeah. to make mistakes. I think there's, that's really important.
1: Yeah. Our modeling, it gives them permission to be that way. Exactly. And, and I see that with my kids that, um, you know, yeah, my journey of just, yeah, I've screwed up in some areas and now I know differently and I'm trying to do it differently and I'm still screwing up all the time. And it's, it's created a relationship between us where they're not afraid to tell me when they screw up and come to me and say like, okay, this is what happened or this is what's going on. And can you help me navigate through it? So, yeah, I agree because I grew up with the parents who also wore the masks and like, we can't wear the masks for our kids. And the truth is, they know. Like, I, I, I joke that little kids are are like dogs. You know, they they sense it. They know. They know when we're being inauthentic. I mean, these little people have been staring at our faces since they were born. (laughs) They know every gesture, every expression, and they can tell when we're being truthful and not. And so the greatest gift we can give them is to model the authenticity.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Even though it's hard or painful, I agree we need to go there for their sake, right? Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought up um, the fact that you know your parents also wore these masks because I think that speaks to a quote that you recently posted um, yes. that spoke to me, and mm-hmm. I know it it spoke to you obviously as well. Um, and that is, pain travels through families until someone is ready to feel it. So you felt it obviously, and you were the one who chose to, you know, take this, yeah. do this incredibly difficult journey but for all the right reasons Mm -hmm. thank you yeah it's funny i
1: still get chills when i you know just hearing (laughs) you read it um yeah we all have family trauma going back between wars and you know culture and you know whatever our great grandparents grandparents parents experienced you know and, and they were all doing their best and doing what they thought was the right way to parent Um, but it's there. And I feel that we're now at a time where we know differently and and we know that that didn't work well for us. And so, yeah, it is up to us to break that pattern and we can choose to. It's really just recognizing we have a choice and just saying, okay, what, you know, I, I know I ask myself all the time, how would I have liked to have been parented? What would I have, you know, wanted my parents to give me? And I try to, you know, offer that to my kids. I don't always get it right, and they tell me.
0: (laughs) Well, that kind of reflection, though, is is so healthy and so, you know, I I think, um, you know, we're lucky to live in a time where we have all this knowledge around mental health and the stigma. Even though there is still a stigma, but it is changing. Yeah, and I think that's really important to you know so that we can take care of ourselves and the people around us
1: yeah there are changes um and there's still so many more changes that need to happen there's you know there needs to be so much more education around it and more acceptance i mean i see my kids generation um you know they're now 20 and 17 and um their generation is so much more open about it um I mentioned that my my husband um, suffered from severe mental illness Um, and I I suffer from depression and um, I have a son who lives with depression as well and you know when I asked him if he was okay about me talking about it publicly since this is the work that I do he's like yeah I don't I'm not ashamed of it I don't feel there's any stigma around it and it's like wow they can be our teachers too (laughs) it's like that's amazing and the kids you know his friends and in high school they're all open about it they all talk about what's going on with them and we have so much to learn from that and so much more for our generation to learn and to overcome because we are we were raised by parents who were a bit more secretive about a lot of things, you know, oh, we don't need to worry the children about these things. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't know much about my family's health, you know, what my grandparents were going through, you know, experience. And so when doctors would ask me, okay, well, about the family history, I'd be like, I don't know, my parents chose not to tell us, they didn't want to burden us. And, and, you know, that's taken its toll on us. And so now it's really about becoming more open, learning about it, learning to identify with, you know, um, when you see it, it's about um, being open and being okay with talking about it. You know, just the idea of, you know, me thinking that I needed to hide my husband's suicide. It, you know, I didn't get the support that I needed at the time. You know, I got support as somebody who was widowed, you know, by as through an uh, an accident because that's what we told people but nobody knew leading up that you know for few years prior he was unable to work he was in bed i had two preschoolers was working two jobs i i was really like i was just living on autopilot and i didn't share that with anyone because we don't talk about mental illness and then for 13 years afterwards not being able to grieve and say you know. There are feelings that you know, there are different feelings that come up with suicide. There's, you know, there's anger. There's um, guilt. There are so many other components that you know are not necessarily present with other types of deaths that I wasn't able to grieve openly, and that I needed to do. So you know, it's really, um, it's really helpful to start changing the culture and becoming more open. It's helping all of us.
0: I agree. And even, you know, to put it in simple terms for when I talk to my kids about it, because of course they talk about it in school, which I think is amazing. Um, But just to tell them that, you know, just like we take care of our bodies, if we have a sore throat and, you know, we try to treat it at home, but if it gets, if it doesn't get better or in fact it gets worse, then we go to the doctor and get antibiotics. Same thing with your mind that, You know, if we do things at home, like meditating, breathing, exercise, whatever it is, and it's not getting better, then it's time to seek help from outside. You know, it's from an expert. So I think it's important for them to realize for everyone to realize that it is, um, you know, a medical condition, just like asthma or diabetes or something like that. And, you know, you have to realize when it's time to get help yeah absolutely and
1: i um you know just from my own experience with um being diagnosed with depression um i always identified myself as you know a strong person you know because well i had to carry all this you know i was the (laughs) martyr and i didn't let myself i was not somebody who got depressed I was just exhausted from everything that I had to carry, (laughs) Um, but I didn't see myself as somebody who would have a mental health issue and until it came to a point where I couldn't ignore it anymore and it was it was liberating you know to just you know like I had that moment of recognizing like okay something's up and going to see my doctor and and Yeah. I remember saying to her, I think I'm depressed. And she looked at me, she's like, well, no kidding. (laughs) Look what you've been through. And I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) And now I, you know, I take so much better care of myself. Like it was, it was a gift having the diagnosis because It helped me see that, yes, there is something going on with me that does need to be dealt with. And, you know, whether it's medication, exercise, meditation, um, changing my diet, getting more sleep. I mean, I do all of that and I have never felt better.
0: I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. (laughs) It's wild because it's not something that had to bring me down. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to remember that getting help when you need it is brave, not shameful. Yeah. And, you know, unattended wounds can lead to so many other things. So, um, you know, as as you well know, that, you know, keeping secrets, um, you know, can lead to shame and fear and... And that leads to depression. Exactly. And anxiety. Yeah. So you've gone through quite a journey with, um, obviously grief being at the forefront of that. Mm -hmm. So how does grief change? Does it end? How do you sort of continue to process that and cope? And,
1: Mm -hmm. um, it definitely changes. Um, it's changed for me. Um, in the sense that um, it's interesting because a friend of mine uh, a couple of years ago, uh, before I had had become public about my husband's death, said to me, you know, I noticed that you never talk about your husband. And it dawned on me that, yeah, I avoided talking about him in that time of my life because I just didn't wanna go down that route. And now I talk about him all the time. And so there's been so much healing for me in being able to incorporate him into my life, being able to be honest with my kids about his mental health journey. You know, my kids had so many questions, like, oh good, now I can finally tell you. And that's so healing for me. And in the work that I do, I feel like I'm honoring him, that, you know, instead of the shame that, you know, we all carried at the time, both when he was alive and and after his death, that that I get to now talk about him every day through my work and he deserves that mm. you know, he was a beautiful wonderful soul and he loved me dearly and and I'm glad that I now get to bring him into my life in this new way
0: I love that thank you thank you so what um obviously self-care is very important in terms of uh, our mental health and our physical health so I think it's important to realize that it's not selfish or a luxury. Yeah. Um what things do you do to mm. take care of you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've become particularly
1: self-indulgent since <laughs> unleashing the wild woman. Um yeah, I I learned through all of this process just how important it was um slowing down, saying no. Um you know, instead of all the shoulds, like there, there's no glory in being a martyr. You know, everybody else might be happy, but we're not. And we're we're just miserable. And, you know, nobody cares, you know, if anything, we're modeling self care to others by saying no. And so yeah, I I mean, aside, you know, I, I do have a much more healthy um, lifestyle overall. Um, you know, I mentioned the exercising, the diet, you know, recognizing what am I putting in my body? And that doesn't mean that I don't indulge in ice cream or a donut. Like, I love them. I love junk food. So it's just that healthy balance. It's getting enough sleep. And it is in the bubble baths. And it's in, you know, I dance twice a week. And, you know, doing the things that bring me joy because I realize that, you know, when I'm being true to myself and I'm bringing joy, I'm bringing joy to everybody around me you know, my kids are happier and they they joke, they call me, you know, that I'm, they tell me that I'm turning into a hippie because I'm becoming so laid back. You know, <laughs> they haven't quite turned, you know, caught on with the meditation thing, although I'm trying to get them into it, and they're like, no, it's not for me. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just really slowing down and listening to my body. Like, what does my body need right now? Because our minds can tell us so many stories <laughs> that are not true. <laughs> and so yeah, just tuning into like, like what is my body asking me for right now?
0: Yeah, I think being aware of those physical things, especially, yeah. is is really important. Yeah. So, what is next for you? Mm. What What excites you about the future?
1: What excites me? Oh, so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, still learning more about wild woman, um, and um, I think from from all of this, from this whole journey of you know sharing my story. Um, I think what had the greatest impact on me was the amount of love I received from telling the truth about, you know this you know, this is what happened. this is you know what I did and this is how I felt and just being raw and vulnerable and you know sharing this part of myself, you know that I was so ashamed of and realizing, you know how much love. I would receive from that. I mean, I I posted it on Facebook and I had hundreds of people commenting, you know, on my post messaging me privately, calling me saying, you know, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for Opening up and just, you know, every single message was so meaningful to me and really touched me and and I realized, you know, that the next step for me in my growth, you know, where I was backing away from everyone because of the secret is now to be reaching out. So I've decided to um, have 100 meaningful conversations before the end of the year. Um, So, yeah, I'm just going to reach out to people and ask them if they're game and just start creating um magic yeah Yeah, connections and magic because really when we we all are yearning for it and when we allow the space for it it's amazing like as humans we we just we all want to connect and we all just want to be real and be seen and be heard and know that we're not alone in this
0: i couldn't agree more 100% and i think you know with i think it's so important to focus on meaningful conversations like especially with social media and how we're not like we're connecting but not really right yeah. so i think having you know especially in person conversations mm-hmm. or just real authentic you know just bare it all kind of conversations can create such connection and such a feeling of of joy
1: absolutely yeah and I've never been one for small talk I always dive deep and
0: I agree and I
1: feel that you know people want to go deep
0: I agree I do yeah right <laughs> does this count as one of your hundred meaningful conversations no we're gonna have another one. <laughs> oh, good yeah I'm excited can that one be gets with to wine be about you absolutely <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> so what are your final thoughts today oh. what do you want to leave us with a nugget of wisdom a uh, just, just that, to
1: pass on that message of don't tolerate life. Just look at where you are accepting less than you deserve and know that you deserve more and know that you
0: can choose it at any moment and in every moment. Thank you so much. Thank you. So now we're going to move on to our final five. Mm-hmm. So these are qu- the same questions are asked of every guest. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be?
1: Mm. Well,
0: I'm going to share with you that I
1: actually already have a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. Yeah, my my superpower. Um, so that actually comes from um, one of those messages where, you know, we're told that we're too much or not enough. And I was always told that I was too sensitive and too emotional. Turns out it's my superpower that when... You know, I have the ability to go to very vulnerable places with people and to hold space for deep and big emotions. And that is the gift that I bring to my coaching. So I am now, yeah, I'm I'm embracing that as my superpower.
0: That makes me the coach that I am. That is such a gift. And I think when you are vulnerable and show those emotions, you give other people permission to do so too. And as an emotional person myself, <laughs> I totally appreciate that. It is a superpower. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so when you were a kid, what did you think you'd be when you grew up? Mm, you know, when I was a kid, I,
1: I don't think I even felt I had permission to decide that for myself. So I don't have anything clear. And, and I, I think I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. I mean, I, I love doing coaching, but I feel like there's still so much more. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reliving my life as that kid and, and still deciding.
0: Well, I think that's exciting that yes. you have all this life left to live and mm-hmm. are on a really good path and just willing to explore what might be next for you. I Thank think that's you. amazing. So if it were your last day on Earth, what would your final meal be?
1: Not salad.
0: <laughs> oh, I like salad. I don't like salad. But it wouldn't be my last meal. <laughs> yeah, I
1: eat salad, but I don't like salad. I think I would indulge in everything unhealthy.
0: <laughs> What would be at the top of that list?
1: Oh, what would be that top? Um, you know, I'm I'm not. I don't have a sweet tooth. I have um, a weakness for nachos. Oh. Give me some loaded nachos, and and be I'm for a happy chicken. girl. <laughs> I'll throw it all on. Throw it all. Okay, it is the last yeah, meal. It doesn't Calories matter. Calories don't yeah.
0: count. Cholesterol? Who cares? That's right. <laughs> that sounds good um who is a woman in history or present day Mm. you admire um so it's not somebody famous it's my
1: grandmother uh she she was like a mother to me she gave me everything that my mother was unable to give me and um she was a tough cookie uh she but she had so much love so much love in her heart. and she she was an Auschwitz survivor, and um, never complained a day. She was so grateful for everything she had, and and so happy to be with everyone. You you felt like you were the only person in the world when you were with her. And I don't say that just because I'm her grandchild. I think everybody who knew her would feel the same. And and I just I I loved. I love the, and I still love how much love she had that she really, she led with love.
0: Mm. That's so special that you had mm-hmm. her, that figure in your life and what an incredible journey she had in her yeah. life as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Last but not least, what is your favorite quote? Mm. Aside from the wild woman quote, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because that's a <laughs> there, really good one. <laughs> There's
1: so many in that book. I've got it highlighted. <laughs> uh, so it's a quote from Maya Angelou, which is "Do the best you can until you know better. Then, when you know better, do better." And I I love that quote because I find it so forgiving, that it forgives us for being messy and human and unskilled, and yet is open to our potential. So yeah, I just feel like it's really given me that space to be okay and say, yes, I have messed up at times. And, and now I'm, I'm choosing to do better and do things differently.
0: Well, you certainly are doing better, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be so open and vulnerable and authentic with me and with our audience, and I know that I have certainly learned something today, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Best wishes to you and your boys. Thank
1: you, and I'm looking forward to sharing that glass of wine. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Thank
0: you.